Ready? <laughs> the biggest noise. Welcome to Rhythm and Pixels, a video game music podcast, episode 20-1. We are your hosts. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Pernet. Every week we listen to great video game music from the past, in the present, and the future. And yes. I was waiting. I was trying to remember because like every time I, I start talking, you say in all timelines. And I'm like, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, I got it right there. We got it. We got it. We got it. I'm, I have decades on the mind. So. Yeah. I'm just kind of, I'm in a specific timeline right now. <laughs> You're in a spook. Well, yeah. Are you? Which timeline are you in? Like, how how is this going to go? Well, I'm in the present one because I've been entrenched in trying to get you know information down regarding decade number ones of decades. Like, oh yeah. Uh, today like, oh, the, like like your top top game of the decades, top music of the decade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So like, um, Spotify recently did a list. They do it every year, typically, where they say, "What are your number one listen? Whoa. Your number one listen to products over the course of the year?" Because it just tracks all of your listens and stuff, which is kind of cool. But um, as a result, it gets you to get all reflective and stuff. But then this year, they went a little one step further, and it's like, "Here's all your best music and artists for the decade," and they broke down what genres you've listened to the most of and all that. And apparently, my number one genre is new gaze. Something I've never heard of until today. It's like uh, poppin' music. They just made up their own genres, right? Pretty much. <laughs> That's funny. And then, like, my number one band has, was Biss, which got me nostalgic. I've been listening to those guys since, like, 2002. Wow. You then, must, if that's your number one band, then you're still listening to them. Yeah. yeah. They, 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 they dropped off the planet for a decade, and mm-hmm. then they just released a new album this year, and it's a popper. Um, then there's like Wild Honey, mm-hmm. and, and of course, and of course, then the Falcom Sound Team popped up in there. Somewhere. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. That was good to see. But then, like my number one band of the overall decade has been No Joy, which is a band that more people should check out. They're a fantastic group. I think they're out of California. Is that Shoegaze? They they do dream poppy type stuff, but okay. they they're weird. You introduced me to the School of the Seven Bells, which is dream pop. Yes, is it dream they, pop? Yeah, they do dream pop because I love them. I love them so much. Yeah, but like I've been like going through this old all this this list of music all day, just getting reflective on it, and then I realize I still have to do my list of games for the decade and of the year, which is convenient since it's going to roll into the show too anyway. So it's like kill two birds with one stone. Yeah, we'll have to have a we'll have to have an episode of best games of the year. One will be best games of the year, and one. Then the next one will be best games of the decade. Of the decade, right? Yes, right. So that's gonna be that's gonna be hard. That's gonna be very hard. Well, let's be let's be honest here. If you had to speculate, how many games would you say you've played this decade? Ooh, that came out this decade. <laughs> Not many. <laughs> yeah, I got a feeling it won't be too tough for you. <laughs> like Street Fighter, the latest one, five. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. DDR, one of them. Because you don't even play DDR, technically you no, play Stepmania, yeah. so it's like the concept. Konami doesn't speak to me for now. Yeah, so <laughs> they just don't do it anymore. So you'll be just like you'll you'll. See, I got this, it's going to be an interesting experiment to see because I bet that's that's partly no, we'll why do, we'll I want to do it because I know st- I'm gonna start listing like my favorite tracks of 1990. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> when oh, I was in like, my teens playing video games all the time. Yeah, I can do that. Not a problem. Yeah, pre 2010, I played a lot more. 
now it's going to be like, whereas my case now, I play more games now than ever, mm-hmm. but I have less time than I've ever had in my life. So it's like, oh, when you, what are you going to do? You're like, okay, well, clearly the answer is really sit down with a pad and paper yeah. and just scroll. Yeah, it's just the first ones that come to your mind, and then you're going to have to start like moving them around. Oh, yeah. And then do it again the next day, just in case you missed any, and then start moving those around. That's that's tough. Also, Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Wikipedia uh-huh. is surprisingly good at kind of logging and listing releases throughout the years. Right. So it misses some of the more indie stuff, but I feel like I can probably do a deep dive one of my game library and yeah. spot that stuff. And it does end up being like a good, like almost like a database resource, if not just for, I mean, it's not always going to be the most accurate information, but at least it's out there. So you can be like, okay, that's what that is. Exactly. Um, okay. But, but we should uh, we should first tell our listeners that this is a Patreon exclusive live streamed episode. So, mm-hmm. I mean, this is a normal episode. Obviously, you're listening to it. But if you are a Patreon member, then um, you get access to seeing us record this episode live. Indeed. And there's some visual gags that are going to happen that you're just not going to get. And gross shirts. Very disgusting shirts. <laughs> yeah, and us wearing our disgusting, disgusting clothes. He's I'm- not wearing disgusting. He's got a sweater vest yeah, on and a yeah, button-up shirt. Where my own. Wear my work clothes. <laughs> <laughs> Look how disgusting I am for work. Nah, I'm wearing like my old my old gym junk. Yeah. I just threw it on and ran out. Yeah, and new, then, is, are those new shorts? No. Okay, I thought they were. Nothing's new. All oh, this is old. I understand. Ancient. I have the same thing going on. That's why my closet doesn't smell that great. Um, so this this episode is also um, we are we accept uh, requests. It's like it's like a request show where we have mainly our Patreon members send us track requests and we play them along with maybe a testimonial that they would write. Mm-hmm. We also uh, pick suggestions out of our email from any other, any of our other listeners. And this week is kind of like our Thanksgiving episode. Mm-hmm. So we asked for our listeners to say what you're thankful for, what games you're thankful for, what people, music, anything, and just to write some nice stuff. And we're going to read that on the air too. We didn't get a lot, but we get some. Yes, and when you, and if it came over and it was selected and it has a testimonial, it's getting read. It's going to get read. So we like whatever you wrote. Good. <laughs> well, that's good stuff. There's some there's some quality yeah. material there, and I'm oh, look, totally, totally. I'm looking forward to reading it all. Hmm. Absolutely. Okay, so let's listen to some music. Let's get into some talking, and then we have a game later. We're going to play some games in which I ask questions and Pranell has to answer them. Maybe. And if you're listening, complete the fifth. Then you can also play along at home because I'll give you a little bit of time to answer. Okay. Um, this is a, an odd numbered episode. This is the first episode of World 21, which I'm really excited about. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think you're going to start with? Well, I'm going to start with this one because I think it factors well into the year as a, as a whole for me, too, in a sense. Because I actually started playing the game because this listener, just as I try the game, and expressed his love of the game so much and with such passion that I had to try it. So let's go with the track. All right. This game is Spire of the Dragon. Oh. The track is titled Lofty Castle. And it was submitted by listener Electric Boogaloo. And it was composed by one Stuart Copeland.
Welcome back. You're listening to the track for Lofty Castle from the game Spyro the Dragon, composed by Stuart Copeland and submitted by listener Electric Boogaloo. And apparently, while chatting with folks in the Patreon chat and listening to this tune, we came across a surprising revelation. That revelation being that apparently this Stuart Copeland was also the drummer for the band The Police. No idea about that. That is actually a very cool video game tidbit. Yeah. And what I, I am glad to have learned. I had no idea that that was the same Stuart Copeland. It's a very cool, very cool track. It's very um, interesting. It's got like these kind of dissonant chords. Mm-hmm. Now, a, a lot of really deep bass. Does it sound like this on the PlayStation? Honestly, I only know the PS4 version because I never played the original, and I am really lazy about switching back and forth between the OSTs. So to me, this is just the track in the game. And I will say this though, I have been I've been playing it off and on, but mm-hmm. time has been really bad for me with games lately. But I've been putting the time into it as I bought it because originally this was suggested to me by Electric Boogaloo. Because he talked about how this was one of his pretty much his all-time favorite, like this video game franchises, mm. like ever. Which is a pretty big thing to sell, sell, use to sell a person a game if you've even remotely been playing for a long time to yeah. sell somebody that. So I was like, you know, it's on sale. He's been pushing me with sales. Like every time he took this game came on sale, he would note it for me. So I was like, fine, you know, I'm gonna try it out and see what you think. See what I think of it. And to be honest with you. It has charm. It's amazing that I actually let this game pass me by on the PS1 because it wasn't that I didn't know it existed. I I intentionally ignored it. Yeah, back it's like then. yeah, it looks like another like kind of mascot collectathon type yeah. thing. But yeah, but it's really cute and it controls pretty good. And the thing that's interesting mm-hmm. that surprises me for my enjoyment of it is when I typically play these types of platformers, collectathons, and the like. I generally want to grow as a character throughout the game. I mm-hmm. want to get different types of breath, fire breath. I want, you know, to gain a double jump, an extended glot. I don't know, various abilities that make me feel as though I'm getting more as I progress through the game. And yet, with this one, you get none of it. There are no character enhancements, no abilities that improve. Mm-hmm. The entire game, you play with how you start. And yet, it's still enjoyable to me. I, I, I enjoy 100%ing every level. And the other thing about this hitting me surprisingly well is that it's not difficult. And when I say not difficult, I don't mean like this is challenging, but you get used to it. I mean like, no. I'm, I could sleep through the game challenge-wise, which usually would also be a turnoff for me. And yet, I don't care. It's been It's a fun ride. I just like acquiring all the stuff. I like exploring all the levels mm-hmm. and doing what there is to do there. It feels great. We almost we almost bought it a week ago because it's it's bundled with the Crash Bandicoot um, series that got re-released, mm-hmm. and we wanted to play Crash Bandicoot again, so we bought that. Oh, cool! But cool. Uh, but I didn't. I haven't really played Spyro, and neither had uh, my wife Christy. So we just didn't. We just didn't pick it up because okay. it was just like I was like, wow, we're, I don't think we're going to get through all three Crash games, let alone more of <laughs> the Spyro games. Yeah, the Spyro games were the first games where uh, we discovered that we would get um, really motion sickness like playing them. Like, we'd pick them back up again. Hmm. I don't know why. It's just something that's been happening. But like, yeah, but honestly, Crash games, they have a lot of 2D levels at least. So that they helps. do. Yeah, and, and even like the 3D levels aren't like moving around. It's not like you're not turning left and right. It's always like going forward or going backwards. Exactly. Which, I mean, has its own problems. <laughs> I gotta say though, having played Spyro finally, I would have to say I... 
genuinely feels though I prefer Spyro to Crash. Mm -hmm. It's weird. Well, this Crash is better for actual like challenging platforming mm -hmm. and the like. But Spyro has the exploration element. I was gonna say I like, you got enjoy. more. You can move around like more directions and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and with Crash, is a, the, the real joy of a Crash game typically shows up in the latter half of the game when everything starts to get like all the platforming becomes much tighter, mm -hmm. and you're trying to get all the gems to find all the secret zones and stuff. That's when that and everything becomes more challenging. That's when that hits. Whereas Spyro, since it's generally easily the entire game, it's just a consistent oh feeling that comes from it. So that's nice. The look of it, and the is, is it is it like Knights into Dreams at all? Which one? The way the Spyro. Spyro. Yeah, yeah. Yes and no. So because Knights no in the basis of the main game, mm -hmm. but uh, there are bonus levels in the games. I think it's one per world, and those bonus levels have you getting free flight, and your goal is typically to fulfill a series of objectives, such as in Knights into Dreams. No, in Spyro. Spyro. Okay. And you're flying through a series of objectives, whether it be chase this vehicle or collect all these doodads or ignite all the lights. So you have this freeform motion. You can do loop-de-loops and spins and all that jazz, and you're running around trying to accomplish things. Similar to how Nights and Dreams is, the only difference being back in the day, Nights was fake 3D. Right. So you could only fly around on a course, like a 2D path. So you couldn't have this free form of motion, but gameplay wise, it still had the sense of fly through all the cones and uh, yeah. collect, you know, bash into the nightmare. Yeah, I just didn't have the um, I didn't have the experience with um, Nights into Dreams. So yeah, Nights and Dreams is a good game. I still need to play through the Wii game because I remember playing the original Wii game at a friend's house in Chicago, and while we were kind of ragging on it because the controls were not the best, yeah, yeah. and the voice acting was kind of cheesy. It still had charm in it, and the level design was, I thought, was great. So mm -hmm. I still found myself enjoying it, despite you know the critical press that was kind of hampering down on it. It deserved more than it got. Journey of Dreams did. Now harp that till the cows come home. Well, my first track is going to come from uh, listener and Patreon member Stephen Miller. Um, Not the drummer from the Police. No. <laughs> He is um he's the he's the police's second drummer. Oh there we go. Yeah, yeah. There we go. They had they had multiple drummers. Um uh, Steven Miller, this is from the game Legend of Dragoon for the Sony PlayStation. This is Boss Battle One, composed by Takeo Miratsu. Boss Battle 1 in the game Legend of Dragoon for the Sony PlayStation. 
a good game. That's a good one. Yes, composed by Takeo Miratsu. There are two composers on this game. There's an, uh, a Western composer and a Japanese composer. Oh. Um, they kind of uh, from the the, the 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 notes on the album, the album on the on the on the, on the, uh, the soundtrack. Half of it was by one half was by the other. So. Okay. I, I do like the old school sound to it. It's got like some of like maybe it's like just the sound, but I do like the this um this little violin section in the middle there. That's always always really cool. I've never played Legend of Dragoon either. I've seen a lot about it, and it's got like I feel like this game has more of a um, um like, like like people talk about it more. You know, I kinda, like, it's more of a shared experience. I kind of wish he wrote a testimonial about this track because. I always like to hear people's impressions and takes on Legend of Dragoon because the game itself is very divisive, I personally think. Or mm. did he write a testimony about he it? He wrote, not, but not about the game. Ah, well, <laughs> well, that, oh, that, that's till the end. That's the, that's better for the end. Oh, it's for the end? Okay, we'll better save for the end. Okay, they'll save that one. But, um, but as far as the game itself goes, it's, uh, it's an interesting mechanic. Like, it's a very, it, it tears a lot of people in the middle. It's split between them because the combat in this game is timing focused. In addition to how the timing is done. So normally, you might say think of Mario RPG, where timing is done by, okay, when Mario hits the guy, you press the button again, and you get a little bit extra damage. Okay, like it the works, guns, it works. Like the gun sword in Final Fantasy VIII. Yeah, same yeah. logic. Mm-hmm. It, Legend of Goon, however, it's a series of timed presses that are, insti- that are initiated based off of a rectangle, or sorry, a square that spirals in to line up with another square that's sitting at the middle. Hmm. So... You start out with like one attack, and it's like okay, the square scrolls in. If it aligns with the inner square, you push the button, boom, you get a second attack, and you do more damage. But as you get further into the game and you get stronger and stronger, your combos get longer, and the actual square moves faster. Oh, okay. so it becomes a lot harder to do those combo attacks. But they're not optional. You kind of need to get those in because you need that damage output to beat late game monsters. So it becomes a rather brutal task of nailing those combos at every character and pulling it off. I honestly enjoyed it. I got used to it. I played a lot of rhythm games, so it was totally fine by yeah, me. Yeah, that sounds like something like, like RPGs, rhythm games, Pernell, like you're in the middle of that Venn diagram. But with that said, it still <laughs> made you very angry yeah. when you screwed one up. And I honestly would screw up quite a few, especially towards the later ends of the spectrum. But... All in all, I mean, it also had one of the most bizarre summons I've ever seen in a freaking game. Um, I, I'm, re- I'm realizing, <laughs> I've realized this just a minute ago, that I this whole time I thought this was Panzer Dragoon and not Legend of Dragoon. No. I'm like, oh, you, <laughs> no. <laughs> Which is more of like a live, like like a like an actiony. Yeah, Le- Panzer Dragoon is, is an actual like a rail shooter. Like a rail shooter, right? Yeah, 3D rail shooter on on the. Uh, not on the PlayStation, but on Saturn, on the Saturn and Xbox original. Okay, man, I was confused. But this one is an RPG. Mm. They are, actually, it's not even a JRPG. I think this was actually Western, a Western one. But someone in the chat can confirm that from. It's been a while, but I'm pretty sure this was a Western RPG. And I, like I say, I I was one of the people that was able to deal with it. I thought it worked. I'm so, sad it didn't get a sequel. Is that something that people like really had a problem with them? Yeah, that aspect of it. And if I remember correctly, it was also fairly linear. Mm. Like, fairly linear. So, like, there was no, like, wandering around and finding super bonus stuff. There were secrets you could find in progress. Right. But once you got past the, you know, that point in the plot, that was it. There was no going back to get it. So, it's um, hmm. it's an interesting thing, man. 
But yeah, I, I don't, I don't see, I don't think there's a whole lot wrong with with linearity, linearity, and with linear stuff in games. You know, I kind of like a story being told in that direction. But yeah, yeah, being able to, to to do to do more, maybe that that speaks to the success of like the writers and the producers of the game that people want to spend more time in that world. Well, there's there are there are a variety of elements right. that factor into if it being being good or bad or not. Like if there's a straight plot, the gameplay is excellent. Mm-hmm. And there's little to no chance of missing something or screwing something up. That's great. You know, that's that style of game. The problem is when you make something linear, you can't go backwards. You have cryptic secret items and objectives. And then you bar something further into the game behind whether you did something four chapters ago that you were never, you had no cues to do. Like, that kind of thing irks the living daylights out of me. Sounded like you had something specific in mind when you were talking like that. Yeah, there's a number of games like that. <laughs> Tale, Tales, of, Tales of Destiny, like, the Tales games are notorious for that nonsense. <laughs> where they'll have a guy, or they'll have a quest where you have to do a certain thing at certain points within the game. There's nothing indicating that you're supposed to do it. You literally have to go out of your way to perform each of those steps. And if you miss even one of them, you are going to miss out on something cool later in the game. Which is almost an excuse to say, hey, we want to sell these strategy guides or something. I don't freaking know. It's, it's bad <laughs> yeah, design. Yeah, but those games have a huge, uh, huge uh, following still. Oh, yeah. The yeah. games are still fun. It doesn't make them any more irksome when you miss something. Mm. I've put whole games down because of it. Mm. All right, so let's get on to your uh, second track. Doki. The second track is going to come from listener The Dude. Das, das Dude. Das Dude, yes. Um, Mr. Mr. Dude. Mr. Dude. Mr. Dude. Mr. Dude. This comes from the game Sonic Spinball on the Sega Genesis. And the track title is The Toxic Cage. This is the first stage in the game and is composed by Howard Drossen. That's a great, great. I love this song. This is one of my favorite songs. Caves theme from the game Sonic Spinball, released on the Sega Genesis, composed by Howard Drossen, submitted by a listener Das Dude. Excellent selection of a track. Excellent, excellent person. And before I go rambling about the track itself and all the random goodness that comes with it, let's read off the testimonial that he submitted to go along with the track. He says, I grew up on the Sega Genesis. 
Sonic has always been my boy, and I'll defend him no matter how bad his games get. And they get pretty bad yeah. sometimes. Spoiler alert. <laughs> that being said, I love Sonic Spinball growing up, and Toxic Caves is the first stage from the game. That I never beat. Still, though, this song! I love listening so to this good. song, and I'd still go back and play Sonic Spinball to this very day. You are not alone in having not beaten the Toxic Caves. I know a, I know way more people who have not gotten past this level than not. Hmm. I played through the entire game. Was it easy? Not even close. Yeah, I don't think... I remember renting this and getting stuck. Yeah, it's... A, it's tough. And it's a weird concept, too, because the game itself... It's... I remember thinking it was short back in the day, because there's only four stages on mm -hmm. it. And yet, with that said, it took me quite a few hours to get through those four stages. <laughs> it was the... The Toxic Caves, the Lava Machine, um... The machine was the fourth stage. The third one was the one I'm having trouble remembering. It yeah. was like an electric level, a lot of electricity. Like this, this this game came out at a time where I, I don't know if I was playing less or if I was focused on other games. So I just don't remember it as well. Like it was, it's, well, a, it's well, like they thought, okay, you liked the um, the casino zone in Sonic Two. That's like a whole game that's just pinball. Well, the thing about it's it crazy. was, at least to me, that's a genius idea. Like yeah, the yeah. concept of Sonic Spinball was genius. Yeah, I spent more time on those stages, like in Sonic Two and Sonic Three, than like anywhere else. I would yeah. just go back and forth on those stages. Yeah, so to make a whole yeah. game where the objectives actually mattered, as opposed to being getting you bring it to just get more lives, mm -hmm. like there was some quality there. The problem that Sonic Spinball had, which is I believe why a lot of people never finished it was that the controls were very wonky when you were controlling Sonic. Like, if you were just doing hit the ball in this direction, eh, it, I think that was good enough. But when you were trying to finesse Sonic, or when you were trying to actually run him back and forth on the platforming mm -hmm. sections and have him jump into sections, yeah. forget it. it you was, were struggling. It was like they got the physics right for like a pinball movement, but then be because he could actually move around, he didn't have the actual Sonic physics. Mm -hmm. They weren't bouncing back and forth between the two. Yeah, it was a very it's, challenging ordeal. Yeah, very different. Very unique, unique game. But I can also tell you, if you haven't listened to the rest of this OST, Dust Dude... The rest of it is also very good. Yeah, it's like, amazing. The old, the entire OST for this is solid, I think. So, I recommend going back to it. Put down Sweet Code in 2 for 5 minutes. I'm <laughs> I'm teasing, but I'm also not. Put down Sweet Code in 2 for a bit. Boot this bad boy mm -hmm. back up. See if you if, you know, a little bit of extra age and time has gotten you a little bit more, you know, adapt to the pulling this off. I think you could do it. Well, you know what, Pernell? This is good game show music. What do you think? Sure, sure. All right, so we're going to do it. We are going to get into a game that we call Kirby Jeopardy. Kirby Jeopardy. Kirby Jeopardy. Kirby Jeopardy. Um, so this is essentially, it is Jeopardy, <laughs> but it's with all Kirby. So it's going to be uh, Jeopardy rules. Okay. So, okay. So mainly, so the category is Kirby characters and enemies. Okay. All right. Um, so, hopefully I got them all right, <laughs> you know, like I didn't like, um, um, I used the Wikipedia a lot, okay. but I didn't, I, I tried to make sure that they weren't like, a lot of these characters weren't only in one game. And if they were, I tried to give you like, you know, some clues on that. All right. All right. So are you ready? This little blue friend licks his enemies first appearing in Kirby's Dreamland 2. I'm already gonna miss that one because I just know it's that stupid jelly thing. Wait, 
he's a little, he's a friend. Yeah, it's that stupid goo. Yeah. What is gooey? So I didn't know his name was Gooey. I just knew he was a goo. His name was Gooey. That's a dumb name. <laughs> That's a pretty bad name. He becomes a friend in the third game. The second one, I don't know what he does there. Because in the second game, you only have the three friends. You have the you have Kine, Koo, and Rick. He shows up in the third one, but now I'm wondering what he does in the second. Anyway, what's the <laughs> next question? <laughs> it's over. <laughs> <laughs> what I about to say? That's weird. Um, a basic enemy that sometimes floats with a parasol has a name that walks like a duck. Waddle D. Waddle I'm D. sorry. What? Who is Waddle D? Who is Waddle D? <laughs> See, I, I got my Kirby's. All right. The owner of Quilty Square just ask his brothers Chase and Loomis. Oh, you're getting that weird freaking like sub Kirby lore. Right. If it ain't a monster, I don't know who the heck is Chase and Loomis. All right, can you, can, you, can, you get, can you get it based on the clues? The owner of Quilty Square just <laughs> asked his brothers, Shay and Lumi. Who is Blanky? <laughs> it's Dom Wool from uh, Wooly World. Oh, I've never played Epic Yarn, which yeah, is Epic funny because I do have it. I've never played it. That's, that's my excuse for missing it. Oh, okay. Uh, similar to Meta Knight, this character flutters into battle on wings. On wings. On wings. Kirby enemy yes. who can fly that's not Meta Knight. Yes. It's that bird. Dinah. Hold on. <laughs> Meta Knight and Dinah. Who is Dinah? Dang it. This is kicking my butt. It's like Dinah Bird or Dinah Knight, but it's not Knight. He's in the Kirby Superstar. He's a dumb bird. Um. I left my I left my game notes at work, but I, all I have are the Kirby, answers. <laughs> Kirby, Dinah, Dinah Blank. I'm going with that. It's right. like Dinah Knight or Dinah Bird. It's Morpho. Who the heck? No. <laughs> Who the heck? No. Look at him. He's Morpho Knight. Hey, oh, dang, Morpho. Who is Morpho Knight? He yeah. doesn't exist. You made him up. No, I did not. You made that guy up. He's in my fan fiction. Yeah, right. he's in someone's fan fiction. In the anime, this character was cut into Lolo and Lala as punishment for their peaceful beliefs. Oh, the friggin' anime, too? And also, what the heck are you talking about, Loga cut into Lolo and Lala? They were always separate people. With, who wrote the anime? So in the anime... Here's my answer. Who is Jerkface? This character was cut into Lolo and Lala as punishment for their peaceful beliefs. Who is Jerkface? <laughs> it's Lola. What nonsense? Lola is... Newsflash! Lola's not real! It's not canon. She is not canon! That does not count. Lolo and Lala came from the rid of one of the first Howl Lab games. And then for the first Kirby game, they threw them in there as bosses, but they called them like Lolo Lo and La 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 because that makes sense. Lola's fake. I guess they need to come up with some weird lore for Kirby. I guess so. I, 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 I thought maybe you knew because I was like, oh, that's new. That's interesting trivia. All right. He's an icy blue walrus who has recurring appearances as a mini boss. He has a name? Who is Tusco? Tusco. <laughs> I think you're probably I know who you're talking about though. He's like he has suspenders. He's yeah. a cool he's a cool freaking walrus who wears suspenders. And he usually gives you the ice power when you beat him. Hmm. He's a mini boss, yeah. His Mr. Is Frosty. Mr. Frosty. I love that little He's so bugger. cute. Isn't he cute? Until you eat him. Until you eat him. He's delicious. Alright, I think there's one or two more. Here we go. A two-word name. No, oh, wait, we, we got to stop on this. No, they're the same characters. Though, admittedly, they are different in the sense that they are... The lore is there, 
But Lolo and Lala were put into Kirby in the sense that, hey, it's the same company, HAL Labs. Right. They yeah. wanted to inject them into Kirby. Right. But then once Kirby got bigger, they gave them more of a characterization. So then they became like, you know, Lolo, Lolo, and La La La. So but they're, at, they're the same people. At some point in the anime, it gets pretty dramatic. <laughs> right? They get sliced with a knife. <laughs> All right. So this one is a two-word name for the cute elephant who grants the throw ability and sometimes the suplex. Jesus, Kirby. There's a lot in this Kirby stuff. I just know enemies and what they give you. Mm -hmm. I love how someone in the chat did say Bronto Bird because that isn't a name of an enemy. That's the frick. That's the actually he has wings. Bronto Bird is the uh, is the flying angry face thing. I remember Bronto Bird. I don't know who this guy is. There's an elephant. It's a two word name for the cute elephant who th who grants the throw ability and sometimes the suplex. You know. Um, Trunk packing. I don't know. <laughs> trunk packing. Who is trunk witch? <gasps> Who's fan fan? I know. Fa <laughs> he has fan fan. All these things have names. Man, <laughs> where would you even learn the names? You play Kirby. You see an elephant and you eat him. Yeah. There's no. Here comes fan fan. I guess it, I like, start fighting. I guess like you have to read the uh, the, the manual to know their names. I, yeah. I, I guess I thought this would be not as bad. <laughs> All right. This large rodent likes to steal chests from Kirby, first appearing in Squeak Squad. I do remember him, but again, another case of, I only knew the Squeak Squad, not the mouse's name. But I will say, who is that rodent with a red cape red and cape. a Robin Hood complex? Because that's what I got. I don't know his name. Red cape, who is Storo? Whoa, 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 whoa! Stor trick question! Storo. Tri no, 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 no. Go back to the question. That is such a trick question. First of all, go back. Right, get to the the dealy wop, because that's a trick question. That's there are the Squeak Squad has multiple mice members in it. So, all right, this large rodent <laughs> likes to oh, steal crap. chests. I'll, large rodent. I'll give you that. Chests. Large, large rodent. Fine, fine. I'll <laughs> give you that. But there's multiple Squeak Squad members. They're all rodents. I didn't think this would make you so angry. <laughs> oh, it's Kirby. It's gonna make me angry. Also, I gotta agree with very. Oh, I gotta agree with Mr. Booth here. Trunk Witch is a better name than Trunk Fan. <laughs> Trunk Witch. Let's all call him Trunk Witch from now on, because <laughs> that's a fantastic name. <laughs> oh my God, Scar. Wait, so Scarfy is. Well, this is getting funny. So Scarfy is the angry flying face dude. Bronto, so which one is Bronto Burt? Is Bronto Burt the what? No, because the what, the single eye is Waddle do. Oh my god, what? Kirby! We'll have to look it up. Kirby, yeah. thank you for playing. Yes. You lose. <laughs> this thing! No, Kirby! Uh, we will not be seeing you in Final Jeopardy. I've Kirby. played so many Kirby games <laughs> in my life. All I know is there are things that Kirby eats. I never knew half of them even had names. It's just, here's this thing, consume it. I thought you were going to ask me this, like, what power-up does this enemy give you? Or what stage has, I don't know, grapefruit on the trees? Do you, do you mean questions that you would know the answers to? Yes. <laughs> Not what elephant is late for work and I don't know. is I thought, trying. I thought you would know this stuff. Like, it would just be, like, in your brain somewhere. Like Oh, I was right then. Bronto Bert is the pink guy with Bert wings, but he's got an angry face. Like, Bronto Bert always looks mad. That's, I from, don't... that's the Squeak Squad? No, no, no. Okay, Earlier, first of all, said, I never knew there was a game called Squeak Squad, and it sounds weird. Yeah, it was Kirby Squeak Squad was on the DS. It was the first traditional Kirby game on there, because the one before that was Canvas Curse. 
Um, but yeah, like, yeah, like I, Bronto Bert, yeah, the, the angry guy, the pink guy with bird wings, but he looks angry a lot. Huh. And then Waddle Do is the freaking single giant eye faced thing. I don't know what they were thinking there. Um, there's just a lot of crazy Kirby enemies. Yeah. Also, the character design in Kirby is crazy. Like, it's, it's always cute, but also a little strange. Very precious. Very precious. Favorite copy ability? That's a hard question. So there's, what, there's so many. So what's your favorite copy ability? Um, I have a multiples, to be honest with well, you. Well, Fan Fan gives you the suplex. Yeah, me, no. That was, <laughs> that's a cool ability, but it's not as fun as some of the other ones. Mm. Like, I like the, the UFO, of course, is genuinely fun. Um, I do enjoy the whip, Cur whip Kirby, yep, yep. which was in one of the later games. The refrigerator, God, if I could do copy, uh, you know, copy paste abilities, the refrigerator and the Swiss Army knife were great. Um, traditional classic Kirby abilities, wheel and the fireball, mm. they are they are timeless. Yeah, because getting the wheel and just like dashing across the board is fantastic. Same with the fire, but um, yeah, fire fire is great. Fire's in all of them. I love the fireball, but like the worst ability, of course, is too easy because that's just the sleeping one. Where <laughs> Kirby fall? That's just cute. Um, he takes a net. Now Kirby golf. I think my I think the best. I think we discovered the best um, power up was the rock because you can just plant plant like wherever you had to be. Oh yeah, yeah. rock is really good for precision in that game. Yeah, that was. Tornado is good for finessing. Mm -hmm. Fireball is too risky to be considered a best ability. Yeah, and then the, the big the, the, the big super jump is just not helpful. It can be. It's just it's hardest to to plan mm -hmm. out because yeah. you gotta like know. Okay, if I do this, I know I've played this so much. I know the arc of the jump. I'm gonna land right about here, you know. But not so yeah, much it's, otherwise. It's hard to know that that full arc. All right, so we're gonna get into uh, my second track. This this one was pre um, was suggested by a listener. William Durrell. This is track eight from the game Star Siege Tribes for the PC. I couldn't find a composer on this one, but this is the first Tribes game for the PC. This is track number eight.
This is track eight from the game Star Siege Tribes for the PC, composed by Unknown, and this was suggested by listener William Durrell. So yeah, thanks. That was this very like Trent Reznor, um, and it really does make you feel like uh, uh, the audio tracks don't loop. Like they were just probably just on the CD as audio tracks and playing the background as you played the game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I used to play this not a lot, but like I was just the the idea of being able to play a first person shooter with that many people at one time with team objectives was so unique. I've never seen anything like it. So, so how did the gameplay flow exactly? What did it have anything that made it unique to that style of gameplay aside from the massive multiplayer development that um, came with it? Yeah, everyone had like jetpacks. So that was kind of cool. So like it wasn't like the the maps were massive, which was also unique, like really open and massive. And you were able to like kind of hover and fly a little bit by holding down like a like a hover button. You only had so much you could do at one time, but then you can also land on hills and like slide down hills. Okay. And so there was a lot of um, strategy and like trying to get the high ground and then sort of like landing on somebody and sliding down to get their flag or to, to, to do coordinate coordinate efforts. It was so hard to coordinate though, because if you weren't, I mean, there's no team chat, you know, like you, there was no vocal chat. There was none of that stuff. So unless you were playing with somebody next to you, like it was just impossible to really coordinate that well. Um, um, so you just had to kind of go in there and just hope that everyone else was a team player and that everyone looked like they didn't know what they were doing and then just kind of go for it. But ultimately then, so the main mm-hmm. hook was still just the fact that you play with a bunch of people at once and just go hog wild in the yeah. arena. A lot of people, a whole lot of people. This is this is like when I was playing Unreal Tournament and like Quake Arena. So, you know, those, those sorts of like um, close quartered, long hallways, maybe four or six people at a time. Okay. Uh, winner takes all. So this was very, very unique in that way. I think Dan uh, also mentioned... I think Warhawk. That makes sense too. Because I have played a little bit of Warhawk. Warhawk, for those who don't know, it was a PS3 game, if I recall correctly. Mm-hmm. And it was sort of also a massive multiplayer game. Mm-hmm. But unlike like, like, like Fortnite's and such, this was a dogfighting game. Oh. So you could jump into an arena of dogfighting planes and lose your marbles, <laughs> blasting other guys out of the sky. It was a fantastic and fun game to oh, play. That's cool. Another example of a game that I kind of wish Sony took more time with. I think it was a Sony licensed. I think it was a Sony produced game. Mm-hmm. But I wish they went more, went harder with that and brought it back up in this era. Because PS3, they were still working the kinks out of what their online would ultimately become with the PS4. Right, right, right. So I don't think it actually got the true shake it should have gotten. If it came out now, though, I think it would be very popular hmm. and it would do very well. Was it because it was? Did it just play? Was it very really competitive, like the way it played, or was it just really unique in that it was it was actual like you know planes like dogfighting planes? I'd say it was both because I don't. I feel like even now it's not all that often you come across a genuinely good dogfighting game. Mm-hmm. So to have that coupled with a game that has voice chat. And a massive multiplayer appeal, mm-hmm. I thought it was a fantastic title. You could get pretty darn aggressive in it, too. So, it was solid. The only... I'm trying to think of, like, any other, like... I never really played, like, any of those uh, flight flight sim-type games. Or, like, this fight, like, uh, like Ace Combat or this dogfighting-type games. My only experience was, like, as an import Gundam game or a Robotech game I played on the Sega Dreamcast. Where, like... You could turn from the plane into the, like the half plane, half robot into the robot, mm-hmm. but like you, it would always be one on one against the computer, 
and you would you would start out in the plane and you would just immediately overshoot them because you were going way too fast and you'd fly right past them and then you turn into a robot and you were just miles miles away and it would take forever to get back <laughs> to like try to fight them um so i would imagine like on a large scale with lots of players it's probably really exciting yeah, yeah. i think it's funny steven miller says i tried out quick champions I just don't have those twitch reflexes anymore. Oh, I know. And it's funny. I can genuinely relate to it because I feel nowadays I like the idea of multiplayer games. And I like the idea of learning and becoming better at stuff. But I hit that point where I just want to keep it local now because I'm going to be playing with a bunch of other old people (laughs) versus playing games with people who are, I don't know, 20 years old, fresh in college probably drunk after a night out partying and decided he want to come online and still managed to beat me at Guilty Gear Rev. Or it's not enjoyable anymore. In another time zone, and like they're just waking up and they're fresh. Yeah, I ain't cutting it. <laughs> I, need, I need people in my zone that yeah. I can feel like I can compete with. This is why I like when I try to play rhythm games now, I see cats breaking out 45s and stuff and like pop me the highest difficulties available. And I'm like, my reflexes just aren't there anymore. But I will still say... All things considered, my reflexes have been maintained pretty well. And probably also worth pinging here, too, because this is just a goofy thing to mention. I actually just reviewed a game where the entire concept of it was a reflex training game. That was their premise. Train your reflexes to get better. I've seen them. I've seen those things advertised like way back in the old um, uh, uh, Xbox 360 um, arcade, indie arcade, Mm -hmm. where it's like a... It's like a first-person shooter training game. It's like train your reflexes and train your accuracy. So you actually did it. Yeah, this game is called Stretch Arcade. It was a, it's like a circle, like a, a think of it like a circle where orbs coming into it, trying mm-hmm. to reach the center, and each orb that's floating into the center has a button associated with it, and you have to hit that button. And once you do, a light will leave it and go to another button that's going inward, okay. which will display what its button is, and you have to kind of just boop, 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 like knock them all out before they crush the center square. Okay, that, that's not, that sounds kind of frantic and fun. It's frantic, and I feel like it's... <laughs> fun? I don't know. It's a mixed bag, yeah, because it gets old fast. And as I was saying on the on when I did the review, I was like, I almost would rather play a music game that has a similar focus mm-hmm. because at least I have the music to kind of encourage me to keep going, oh, get I, better, keep some, going, get better. In my better. mind, I just assumed there was music to go along with the rhythm. Nope. No. You're just pressing buttons. Like, there's no beat you're keeping up with or anything. There's no, I want to do the wacky pop stage. It's just... I'm going to do this level where the letters show up faster. Like it's, uh, but if you're solely looking to practice Twitch reflexes, I actually wonder if it would be effective for folks. Like it's a cheap enough game to try too. Yeah, I wonder. And I'd be, I'd be curious to know like the results too. Like, like if it actually improved like their, like their, uh, their game and other games. So look into a Steven Miller, because that could be, that could be your way back <laughs> into quake champions. You can become the, the quake champion. Mm-hmm. King Quaker. King Quaker. King, King, King of the Quakers. All right, so now we are on to uh, your final track of the night. Okie dokie. This track comes from listener The Last Recon, and the track title is the Team Yell theme. This comes from the game recently released, Pokemon Sword and Shield for the Nintendo Switch. I have no idea who composed it, but I could probably dig it up before we return from our commercial break. Um. Did I type this right? I thought it was Team Yell. It is. Okay, I, I started to think it was Team Y'all. Like, <laughs> the bumpkin team. No, I mean, I don't know. Like, like maybe, maybe Pokemon's a weird world. 
It there's, is. There's and, a lot of. And lot they of do have. There's a countryside. You start in the countryside, right? You have to. I mean, that's where Pokemon are always in the tall grass. Yeah. Come on, team, y'all. Welcome back. You're listening to the Team Yell theme from the game Pokemon Sword and Shield on the Nintendo Switch, recently released and submitted by listener The Last Recon. Has a nice bit of a submission for testimonial here, so I'd like to read it. Here it goes. Nice. This is my fan submission for the Patreon episode. I'm grateful for Pokemon, especially the new one. For years, my friends and I have played Pokemon, but every now and then a few of them would get left behind in the wake. This year is the first time I can honestly say that we have all had the new Pokemon game together and I have been having a blast trading with all of them. I can't wait till Thanksgiving when me and my brothers get together and duke it out. Because no matter how long we all go without talking to each other, we can always come <laughs> down, come together, and throw down together for Pokemon. I like that. Pokemon's bringing the family together. Yeah, it's how I met him too. Like, Pokemon is a legit... I will say, I've like, seen a lot of through, people... Through the MAGFest thing? No, before that even. Oh, wow. Huh? Po- Mag- Pokemon gets a lot of flack from cats all, out in the internet. So I've seen it. Like, they come up, this game for five-year-olds and babies. <laughs> and or just... There's a lot wow. of junk people say, yeah. which I always find especially funny because I feel like they, little, they go a little overboard when they want to trash talk this franchise. But at the end of the day, it gets... For all the stuff that Game Freak gets wrong sometimes, because they, they do have a penchant for going one step forward, two steps back on development, mm-hmm. but... They they keep the heart of the games there all the time. I've been playing Pokemon since like 1999. Yeah, and I have never gotten tired of the simple concept of taking a monster out in the field, beating the crap out of another monster, throwing a ball at him, <laughs> and then making him fight his brethren, and then some. It's just fun. Now, like while you're doing that, are you getting the joy just from the gameplay of that and progressing and leveling up the guys, or is it? Are you getting a lot more of the joy because while you're doing it, 
you're thinking about how you're going to use those Pokemon in a multiplayer battle. Both. So initially, when you, for me anyway, I can't speak for everybody, but initially, when you play a Pokemon game, this honestly ends up being regardless of whether or not I spoiled it for myself. Mm. There's that joy of coming on a route, hitting into a battle, and seeing a guy you've never seen before. Oh, crap. I got to catch wherever the heck that is. <laughs> so then you fight it, and then you catch it, and then you're leveling it up. And you're waiting to see what new move is going to pick up. Is it a move that's new for that Pokemon? Is it a move that you didn't expect it to get? And then as you start learning the moves, you start to wonder, how can I piece these together to make this Pokemon viable? And then another Pokemon shows up. And then you catch it. And then you have six Pokemon. And then the seventh guy shows up. Does he have a place here? Or does he have to go in the box and wait <laughs> a definite amount of time? Does he go in the Pokemon computer? Yes, he might. He just, just might. might sit there and go dormant for a while. But then once you get through the entire game and you've beaten the champion or whatever, because there's mm. always a champion, right. um, then you get to the point where now you're kind of figure out, okay, now i got to figure out how to beat the tar out of my friends. Yeah. But now they're not AI in the game anymore. These guys are going to know how to come up with character teams that use quirks and so, various like gimmicks. So the playing your friends doesn't come until after the, the single player. For me, always. Yeah. Like, I don't even bother really care. Like, this year's different lately because when I do the MAGFest teams, I have to think as I, I think I'm going to think I have a team together. But I have to have a team put together by Friday. So, I mean, so, I'm already in that boat. It's so interesting to me because that is my that was my experience when I played Pokemon in 1999. Like, that's what the last time I really played was Pokemon Red mm -hmm. on my Game Boy. And I, I finished the game before I went and, like, started challenging my friends at work. Because yeah. yeah. you, you want that yeah. full feel because... It I, wa I wanted to have like stronger level characters. You know, th things weren't leveled leveled out, so I wanted to make sure that my Charmander or my Charizard was like level you know, sixty or seventy. And there's also just something to be said about having free reign of the land, which you typically have by the end of the game. Yeah. So you can just sit there with a pen and paper and go, "Who will fit? This guy is cool. This guy is cool. This guy is cool. He's got a place. Now go get him. Yeah. So you gotta go get them all, and you train them up. It's almost like a training boxing montage. You got these Pokemon eating <laughs> calcium berries. It's like a heist movie. Like you gotta get the right team together so that you can go and take on your friends. Exactly. Steal their Pokemon. But in the form of Pokemon, you're just shoving vitamins down in the throat and then throwing them <laughs> in a freaking like Pokepelago back in the day. But now I think you can just give them pills the entire way through. Oh man! So it's uh, it's performance enhancing. Um, candy. Performance enhancing candy, mm -hmm. and now EXP candy, just juicing them up, and they say, now it's time to battle. That's rough. Pokemon have a hard life. Mike, but who's my favorite new Pokemon? That is tough, because I'm still trying to figure that out. So, I like... Because lots of the originals aren't in there, right? Almost, yeah, they, all, almost they, none of the originals are bad. They did a deep cut, and it burns a little. But I will say... Favorites, if I could kind of throw my head around it a bit, I like the first elephant. I haven't been too fond of the, uh, of the <gasps> evolution. Finfin? No, this one's <laughs> named Qfin. Qfin. I like Qfin. Qfin. I like I like Dotler, which was like the psychic bug before its final evolution. A lot of people love Orbeetle. I'm not too fond of Orbeetle. Mm -hmm. Um, I like Perserker. Perserker, he's a Viking cat. He is a Viking version of Meowth. What is not to love? And also, that freaking, uh... I love Ponytail. Yes, Ponytail's legit. But uh, wow, he's cute. There is a Pokemon that people have been making fun of, one of the dinosaur Pokemon that I don't care nobody said. That thing is awesome. He's like Dracovish. Dracovish. He is a water dragon, and he looks like the dopiest freaking, like, dragonfish I have ever seen. Dracovish. 
but he is awesome. <laughs> okay, he's kind of dumb looking, but like in a good way. I love I love Dracovish, and he has the coolest moving ability. He has. He has strong jaw, which increases all of his biting attacks by like either thirty or fifty percent. And then he has a new move called Fishious Rend. Fishious, ridiculous name. And what that does, it has like an eighty power, which then gets buffed by the strong jaw. But if he hits first, it gets doubled beyond that. So the attack is stupid powerful. He's amazing. I, I he love that little bugger. He is crazy looking. He's, uh, he's like the, the body, it looks like the neck of a dinosaur, but the head looks like the head of a mushroom. But then he's got fins. He's amazing. That is wild. He is amazing. That is crazy looking. Oh, Garbador, Chris Murray goes, what about the one who's a pile of trash? I like Garbador, but he's not new. He was brought in when they did the New York version of Pokemon, which was a very reasonable time to add a garbage Pokemon. <laughs> he was at it for the New York version. Because New York smells like trash and urine. You can walk down the street and people just throw their garbage on the street. Why not? <laughs> oh, Corviknight. I like Corviknight, too. Especially with his... Corviknight is a steel flying bird who looks like a knight. He's kind of armored. Oh. And he has an awesome ability that very reflects stat changing moves. Very noble. I like him. He's, he's on point. I'm leveling one of them up. Now he's definitely going to be on my team for Magfest. Mm. Going to likely be him, like Ferrothorn, Durant, uh, Lucario, something like that. He looks cool. But also Duraludin, that weird steel dragon that he just came up with. I'm going to be rocking his behind with steel beam. That's going to be so is there a steel, is it steel anymore type? Or is it, where is there, do they still call it steel type or is it called something else? It's still steel is type. It's called steel type. Sometimes I thought they, they changed the name of it. All right, so we're going to go into my final track. This track is, um, this one actually came from Electric Boogaloo. So if you join our Discord, which you can see um, a link to it on our website, rhythmandpixels.com. Electric Boogaloo likes to share a lot of music there. Yes, he and does. I gotta tell you, he's got an amazing taste in music. Like, just click on the links, you're gonna find some amazing stuff. This is from Blaster Master, blasting again for the Sony PlayStation, composed by Satoshi Asano, and this track is called Battlefield.
This is the track Battlefield from the game Blaster Master. Blasting again from the game Blaster Master. Blasting again. There's a lot of blasting. <laughs> uh, for the Sony PlayStation, composed by Satoshi Asano. And this was suggested by Electric Boogaloo in our Discord server. And I love how you kind of get that stage 1-1 sound from the original Blaster Master. Yeah, it's nicely it's stretched throughout there at different yeah. intervals. And it, can, it definitely ekes through just enough that it hits the nostalgia bites. Yeah, it's like little little hints of it. And then between all these hints is the bass is the, is the bass guitar. Just going, 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 going. I do like so that good. one of the listeners made a comment regarding, mm. said, yeah, Electric Boogaloo is awesome. He is a stalwart of the community right there with Carlito in the messenger. And that's true. So I'm going to put this out there as a call. It probably won't get answered, but show us your freaking face, man. You are, like, integrated across the world. Everyone knows who you are. Are you talking to Alex? No, Boogaloo. Carlito? I know who they both, I know what they both look like. I've seen them. Jimmy Carter? Yes, I've never <laughs> seen Jimmy Carter. No, no, no but, oh, uh, yeah, Boog uh, Boogaloo. He's like, he's this, since I've <laughs> never actually seen him, like, I literally know nothing about him, I've... except he's a legit dude in the, in the chat conversation, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and he has an insane repository of game music. That's by design, man. He doesn't, doesn't want you to know. He's this ethereal game <laughs> OST entity yeah, he's... that just swoops in and bombards you with great music, and then, boom, gone. Yeah. So I'm thankful for Electric Boogaloo. Also, because I get to say that his name is Electric Boogaloo. I love that. I mean it. At one point, I remember, I remember... You started calling him EB, and I'm like, EB? Yeah, I think that they're both so great. And I still remember it was a period where... And it's funny, I couldn't remember back in the day, but now I do. He was going to go with a different name. He's like, I go by I think, I go by Infernal Bandicoot. Oh, that's right. And I could never remember Infernal Bandicoot because Electric Boogaloo was so much better. Like, I just kept overriding it right. and going, Electric Boogaloo, Electric Boogaloo. That's all it is, You yeah. can't... Not use that great name yeah, when and, you've got it. And now that's the name on his driver's license. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have that kind of power pronounced. Electric Boogaloo. It's electric. Boogie, woogie, woogie. Boogie, boogie, woogie. So yeah, I, I'm really thankful for, for, for all the great music that he's able to find. Because I, honestly, I've never really even heard of this game. I, I never really explored the, the whole series after the original Blaster Master. My memory is rusty, so I can't outright give full detail on it, mm -hmm. but I have heard of Blasting Again. My conundrum is that I consistently confuse att their attempts at remaking the original Blaster Master in 2D mm -hmm. with that PlayStation 3D game that had very... Was it that? was very mixed opinions on it. People weren't this There's one called Blaster Master Zero. Is that the 3D one? No, no. Blaster Master Zero was a scenario where, I'm trying to remember the naming, NT Creates got the rights of the franchise from Sunsoft, or whoever holds the rights of Sunsoft's games now, mm -hmm. and they decide to make an official Blaster Master sequel, but they decided to make it like, the, they pretty much re-envisioned the first game, like the worlds and everything, but they did their own take on it and gave it its own, like, more fleshed out plot. Oh, okay. So, so you're not just chasing a frog? Exactly. <laughs> like, I think they made it so, like, Fred was, like, some kind of, like, weird, into, like, some cyber entity or something. Mm. It's been a while since I played through it. But it's a fantastic game. And then they made a sequel to it, which was a complete surprise on the Nintendo Direct that was, like, I think earlier this year, actually. But it was, like, cool. Last Master Zero was legit. Great game. Great game. <laughs> I can hear my puppy in the other room causing trouble. That's always a good sign. All right, we're going to turn this track down, and we're going to get into the part of our show 
that we call the bonus round. Bonus. Bonus round. Da, 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 bonus. Now, in the bonus round, we play covers and remixes and arrangements based on the theme of the day. And I think you picked, did you pick more music or were, were any bonus round tracks uh, suggested to us? There were a few, but any I wanted, to, I just wanted to pick the track that I went with because I just like the sound of it. Okay. Or which what would you pick? So this track comes from listener that Nick Walker. It is also from the game Pokemon Sword and Shield. This track is the gym leader battle music theme, which has quickly become like the track in the game that has taken the internet by storm. This is the one people talk about. Mm. So I figured it needed to get played on the show. All right. And he made a good suggestion. Let's listen to it.
Oh, so I was right about that at least a little bit. Mm. He said it was way before YouTube. Like, I knew it wasn't 90s crazy. 90s Flash. Right, right. So this is not the hamster dance we're listening to. <laughs> now, this track here is not the hamster dance. This is the gym leader battle theme from Pokemon Sword and Shield, posed by Goji Nose and submitted by listener that Nick Walker. So this track, I think it's partly because it has a very dance club-esque vibe to it mm-hmm. that results in people like liking it so much but it's been people have been talking it up it's been like this track is the standout for pokemon sword and shield and thus far i can kind of agree with that because it took a while for it to grow on me but it's actually got no point now when i do get to the best i'm always like, doo, doo, boop, 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 you're, like you're, is it like just stuck in your head now that like you're like you're you're, you're expecting it to start i expect it though it's funny like the game itself is has been a good time and I'm glad it has been. You know, there was a lot of you know, you know, social commentary controversy surrounding the game leading up to the release. But thankfully, the game's final product has proven to be a great time to play. But one thing I love to joke about, and I'm going to mention it because of this track, is the gems themselves. So, in Pokemon Sword and Shield, Nintendo decide, or sorry, Game Freak decide to change things up a bit. Now, when you battle with Pokemon, you're not in a gym; you're in a stadium. Mm. So. What happens is the beginning of the game, a group of individuals get brought together to be considered gym challengers. Like, so it's not just random individuals deciding to go; they have to get endorsements and stuff like a sport team would oh, that's to interesting. be allowed to challenge uh-huh. the Pokemon gyms. So at that point, all these people now—it's only like eight of them, I think. It wasn't a lot of people. They are now going around the world to challenge the gyms and get the badges to. Go into the final, like, you know, major and minor leagues or whatever. Now, here's the rub. These are stadium battles, which include ceilings large enough to contain Dynamax and Gigantamax Pokemon, which, for the record, are freaking huge. So I don't know how much money went into building <laughs> these stadiums, but that's another thing. The, the money, the, mon- the the Pokemon money is is real. It's some real money. It's, it's some real <laughs> polka dollars getting spent there. Real dollars. But the big hit and the thing that had me laughing way more than it should have is the fact that. Again, I mentioned eight people. Mm. We don't know when they're going to make their challenge runs. <laughs> they just, they're going to at some point. Right. So when a challenger gets to a gym, they have to proceed first with the gym challenge. Mm-hmm. Just like in old Pokemon games. It might be something dumb like flick a bunch of switches to make water stop flowing right. and fight some trainers on the way. And then if you complete that challenge, you go into the giant arena to do battle with the gym leader. Mm-hmm. Now, when you walk out into the stadium, the stands are Packed with people. Oh, yeah. And they're all chanting and they wanna, cheering. And they want to see some Pokemon. They want to see their favorite Pokemon. Here's the thing, then. Mm-hmm. They want to see How their... long have they been there? Uh, they. Oh. They've been there for now. How long <laughs> have they been there? You got to imagine you got eight people. Of those eight, maybe six to five, five or six might get through a gym challenge. Sure. And the further in the gym challenge you get, the more will drop off because they're not beating gym leaders. Yeah. So you'll have cats sitting in the stadium like mall rats. Waiting for a gym leader Maybe they to get see challenged. They see you coming, going through the challenges. There's no, they can't. Yeah, they do, man. So you're telling me you got a bunch of people watching on their cell phones yes. for a guy to just get off the train, and they just all rush the stadium between the time you get off the train no. and do the gym challenge. You don't know about Pokemon, Poke journalism, right? There, there's there's people following you, and you know, they're writing about you, they're tweeting about you, and they're saying, oh, he's coming to this gym. So you got, still, you have people Blitzing the stadium yes. to get in yes. just in time you drop for your work, battle. You leave work, 
you leave you leave the funeral, you leave the birth of your son, you go to see some Pokemon. That's Just what to you, see these battles. That's what you do. I mean, seriously. Like later on, there's like look at a screenshot <laughs> of Pokemon a Pokemon Gym Leader battle in Sword and Shield. Look at how many people were in those stands and then ask yourself how did they all know when to be there? Or are they just sitting there all day hoping a gym trainer gets to a challenge and shows up to battle? Maybe. Which then the battle takes five minutes, maybe <sighs> ten, and then it's like, okay, what do we do? Do we go home? Do we wait no, for the no, next guy? No, no, because after you leave, the next guy's right behind you. There's no next guy! There's gotta be. No! And then, like, the food at the at the stadium is really good. <laughs> so, like, hot dogs. I guess that is true. It could be, like, poke dogs. Poke, poke dogs. Could oh, be, no. Which be, Pokemon are you eating? Oh, any of them. Any, any one of them? It's a be, sausage. Just put, well, put them all together. What was, what's that new one they just came up with, like, sh- um, shish kebab or freaking uh, skizuka? I don't know. You're eating Pokemon. You're eating sushi out of octillery. Uh, so, in the world of Pokemon, you're yeah. eating Pokemon. Oh, you're eating Pokemon. That's, that's not even up for debate. <laughs> you're eating a taro steak. Taro steak. Taro steak, octillery sushi. Was it uh, my favorite fried wish cash? Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. We should do it like uh, we should make a cookbook where it's like not just serving instructions, but cooking like cooking directions. Like which ones do you put over fire? Which ones do you throw in a pot like a lobster? Oh yeah, like horrible. Well, they, well, there's there's some there's, cl- there's Cloudster, Cloudster mm-hmm. for lobster. He's a literal blue lobster Pokemon. So what do you do with um like psychic type? Do they know you're coming? Oh no! Nah, they did not. Nah, they're damn. They're not tuned to that level. It's like they can just they have destructive psychic powers, not cool parlor tricks. This is this this is the second. Someone in the chat says this is the second chat in two weeks where eating Pokemon has come up. Well, as it should. I mean, that's another thing they changed for this game. So Pokemon Sword and Shield added a camping mechanic, and and what happens is you're out camping with your Pokemon. Okay. And at the end of every poke um, camping session, you typically wind up making curry. So you add a bunch of ingredients to a pot, and then mm. you stir it, and then you serve it, and you and your Pokemon eat it. Oh, I like that. Like the you're problem all eating is, together. But here's the problem: <laughs> they make Pokemon. There are Pokemon based on dang near everything: vegetables, mm. meat products, animals in the real world. So when you see a dish that is literally steak in a bowl with potatoes <laughs> and curry sauce, what Pokemon is that meat composed of? Oh, it's got to be a Pokemon because. Pokemon or everything. I think the real problem is they made Pokemon just too delicious. They are delicious. <laughs> That's why people eat them. They they eat what they battle with, and it's crazy. It's too good. It's a the world of Pokemon is a very morbid and disturbing place. Admittedly, I love the world of Pokemon, but it's disturbing. Between the Pokedex entries, the fact that you're eating. The species of Pokemon that you are also simultaneously feeding to the Pokemon that mm-hmm. is at the camp with you right now. You can eat a Zeep Striker steak while hanging out with a Zeep Striker. No, the game doesn't the tell you that those are, those are the ingredients, though, right? You know. But you know. You know. <laughs> you know. There's a Pokemon. Someone made this comment. What is the new Strawberry Sunday Pokemon in Short and Shield? That is a Milsery, and then it becomes Alcremi or Alcremi. It is literally a Pokemon that people talk about eating. So you you evolve that Pokemon so that you could eat it later. You might. Maybe, maybe. I'm sure they do. It's like it's like an aged aged. You battle at a Pokemon. you battle at a sweet shop, uh-huh. and the guy battles using Alchemies and Milceries and other like edible esque Pokemon. Nice. Like so, like Swirlix is a cotton candy Pokemon who then becomes a cotton puff Pokemon. Edible. Slurpuff is edible. Mm. Swirlix is edible. Alchemy, edible. Milsery, 
edible. Oddish, edible. Oh, oddish would be delicious in a salad. Which is funny because it's grass poison, but I still eat it. Well, I mean, that's kind. I think that's like a. That's just a defensive mechanism. <laughs> that is true, but you don't think it would get defensive when it's getting boiled? You, you can cook out the toxins. Oh, <laughs> maybe that's what it is. All right, we better get on to our our, our next bonus round track. Um, this is from and um, after we listened to Sonic Spinball, I wanted to find some more kind of late era like Genesis style music. So this is from Knuckles Chaotix. Knuckles Chaotix was on which system again? That 32X. was thirty two X. The thirty two X. So the Genesis Sound Hardware. Um, this is Evening Star, the, ta- the the Tud Future Funk Remix. So it's remixed by Tud, featuring Alan G on guitar.
we're back. That was Evening Star, the, ta- the Tud feature funk remix from Knuckles Chaotix, remixed by Tud featuring Alan G on guitar. Man, that was a smooth track. It really was so good. The, the music in that game is super smooth already. So, you know, just that that reimagining of those chords and those that guitar, so so good. I honestly, I've never played Knuckles Chaotix, but the music would be the thing that would make me want to try it. That's yeah. the darn shit. Yeah, me too. So for more information on the bonus round part of our show, go to rhythmandpixels.com. We'll have links to the SoundCloud, Bandcamps, and everywhere you can get the music and support the artists who created it. What about now? It's time to rock with the bigger the buck, bumble. What about now? It's time to rock with the bigger the buck, bumble. Bum to the bum to the bum to the base. Bum to the bum to the bumble. Bum to the bum to the bum to the base. Bum to the bum to the bumble. Bum to the bum to the bum to the base. Bum to the bum to the bumble. Bum to the bum to the bum to the base. Bum to the bum to the bumble. Bump to the boot to the boot to the boot boot. Bump to the base of the base base base. Bump to the bump to the bump to the bump to the Alright, thanks for joining us on episode 21-1 of Rhythm and Pixels, our live streamed episode with Patreon members, Patreon selected tracks, and what they are thankful for. Uh, we are going out on the track Buck uh, title screen from the game Buck Bumble for the N64, which is very old school, which is very, very fun. Um, so yeah, so we have some episodes planned later this month, probably something for the holiday. We have a, a year retrospective, uh, a decade retrospective, which we'll probably do maybe closer to January. And um, what else? Do you have anything else going on, Pernell? No, not in particular. Anything going on with the, uh, the SML podcast? Uh, just same old, same old stuff. Hmm. How about a uh, Hey Poor Player? Nah, honestly, I haven't had time to write. No? Okay. Just, just wanted to catch up because I, I know I know that you've, you've really kind of put Hey Poor Player back to focus like on doing other stuff and mainly like put your energy into SML podcasts and things like that. Yeah, and I yeah. keep wanting to start trying to write more, but time hasn't been good. Yeah, I know. It take, takes a lot more more time to get into that. Um, but yeah, you can see us at uh, MAGFest uh, next month. So it's just in a few weeks. Um, not not very far from now. You can see me, Purnell, um, and Ed Wilson, and Bruce Irons from the Mad Gear. Uh, Cameron Cameron Worms is going to be there. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a good group. Like, I think uh, Kung Fu Carlito will be there as well. Chris Murray is going to be there. Ooh, it's going to be a, a, a large, large group of people. Um, and it looks like there's going to be some extra guests on the VG Embassy as well. So that's really exciting. It's some details. What are those guests? All right, so we have... I don't know who that is because they changed their name. This would be... So Brian Booth is apparently going to pop up on the VG Embassy... Thank you. <laughs> ...tomorrow, but by tomorrow, he's referring to our recording time. So by the time you hear this episode, yeah. the next VG Embassy will likely be them hanging out and chatting orchestral VGM. That should be awesome. Yeah, that's... Oh, was... Rewind. I just misheard this. He, they already recorded it. So oh. the episode's coming out tomorrow, which means by the time you listen to this... It'll already be available to download and check out. Oh, good. Yeah, so good. Go check that out. Is that the uh, is that the event he was talking about? Mm-hmm. The upcoming event. Okay, great. Bedroth. Okay, excellent. I um, I know at the very beginning of the episode we talked about like people changing their names in, in the YouTube chat, and I was like, I don't know. I and I completely just did not remember who was who. My problem is I just need like, to, yeah. I need to get like a listing of 
name plus alias specifically right. because I know real names, I know aliases, and I know aliases of aliases. So when it was like, who is that? My thought wasn't go to the go to the previous alias. It was go to the actual name. You know, <laughs> it was like whoops. But I've done that more than a few times myself. All of it, which is why I think my nick my my nickname is pretty easy to remember because it's pretty much my name, but slightly tweaked so yeah. much that you can just see it. Yeah, just a little a little different. Well, um, this track came to us. Uh, this this final track was suggested by Stephen Miller, and um, he did write a, uh, a thankful message. Do you think it's uh, time to read that? Let's get it down. All right, Stephen Miller says, "I think, I think all the games I'm thankful for, I've submitted songs for already. But honestly, what I'm really thankful for are these communities like Rhythm and Pixels, places of endless positivity, places where we can express opinions without fear of reprisal or judgment." So many niche communities tend to fall towards being insular and hypercritical of any opinions outside their own. It's so refreshing to see a group of people brought together by the love of something as intangible and ethereal as video game music and not fall to the dark side of fandom. I agree. That's something I would like to avoid always. Um, No other community I've ever been part of has been as welcoming and friendly as this particular group of people. No hatred, no elitism, no geek checking. Um, which I never heard of that term before. I really like it. Uh, no making new members feel like they are any less of a fan uh, just because they weren't there from the beginning. Um, definitely not. Like if you've just discovered this, or maybe like you, you thought like, oh, I like game music, and then you're going out and discovering it now. That's awesome. You know, find more. There's so much out there to to, 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 to go look for. Um, so in keeping with the theme of thankfulness, what I am honestly most thankful for is this, this podcast, this community, and most of all, the ability to express love of music with like-minded individuals. Cheers. Cheers to that. Yes. That, that was honestly a nice thing to read when it came through. Cause it was, it's so true. Like there's a, there's an aspect to that, to this community that it's just, I don't want to call it pure because we all, we, some of us drink and some of us have ridden their bikes into ravines and, you know, arm wrestled bears, all that crazy stuff. Right, I don't, but, we don't know everything about everybody. Well, all that. Yeah. But just as far as how each, how we each interact with each other, there's a nice positivity there. When someone accomplishes something, it's only congratulations. There's never, what about me? Oh, yeah. Why aren't I better? I'm better than that. You don't get that. What you get is congratulations. Mm-hmm. That's, that's awesome. Right. You, if someone's like, I need help with some information regarding some o, some OSTs, recommendations, people jump off of trucks to get that information to you. If it's, someone says, hey, I'm thinking about doing a podcast too, no one says, no, it's already been done. No one ever says that. Yeah, no one gives you the Harrison treatment. Everyone says, hey, how can we help you? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. There's always room for one more. Yeah, always room for more because, you know, there's just, obviously, there's, there's just people who want it, you know? Mm-hmm. Things aren't going to be around forever. Like it's good to have more of it out there, more more um, um, people interested, and more people that are excited. And there's also just this element of like, for every new podcast, you have a new or one or more personalities to throw into the mix, mm-hmm. and one or more differing tastes in music to throw into, which is also a large part of why the Patreon episodes in themselves are very nice because that's true. We have yeah. our own taste in music, mm-hmm. but. Uh, more often than not, it's great to hear what listeners listen to because on more than a few cases, like an earlier mentioned EB scenario, where through that lo- that person's love of music from a game, I learn of the existence of a game and its music, and then I want to play it. Right. And considering how many video games I have played in my life, that feels good to be, oh, wait, I've never played that one. 
Right. Or I played this, but I never maybe got to this point to listen to this song. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. There's just so there's so much, and then everyone's going to have their own experience, and it's so um, it, it, because there's so much out there. Everyone has their own tastes, and everyone has their own experiences with it. So it's good to be it's good to be introduced to other other styles I wouldn't normally look for anyway, mm-hmm. um, which is a lot of what this show's about. You know, I wouldn't look for stuff that you normally you would be into, and a lot of times I don't know the games, so it's good having that context. Agreed. It's great. Um, so yeah, so thank you all very much. So I'm thankful for the listeners. I concur. Absolutely. Um, and if you'd like to get in contact with us. If you have any track suggestions or topic suggestions, or if you're an artist yourself, if you're a game remixer, a composer, an arranger, please send us an email. Rhythmandpixels at hotmail.com. And if you'd like more information about our show, check out the website. Rhythmandpixels.com. You can check us out on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. It's Rhythm and Pixels, all one word. We also have um, a group there called Rhythm and Pixels Chat, where a lot of the... Uh, the, the conversations happening. There's also a Facebook group called the VGM Podcast Fans that Alex Messenger put together, and that's 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 got a lot of members now, and that's really good. Um, there's a, there's actually a bunch of really good uh, Facebook groups around uh, video game music. Oh yeah, like the Hidden Sound Test is really good. I I love it when like new stuff comes up there, and I can kind of just pick it up. Um, so check that out. Uh, go to YouTube.com/slash/RhythmAndPixels. We uh, we upload our episodes there, but we also have a 24/7 uh, radio stream of 8-bit and 16-bit classics. It went down for a day because I didn't realize that my router like actually like reset itself <laughs> and I had to like restart it. So, but it's it's almost always on. So, check that out on YouTube. And then if you'd like to support the show, um, just tell people about it, or you can go to Patreon, Patreon.com/RhythmAndPixels. There you get access to a weekly live stream recording of episodes just like this one and you also get a little shout out at the end of every episode so first we have a new patreon member we want to give a special shout out to andreas milberg nice yeah so thank you very much that's just a just a week ago i signed up so uh, we appreciate that very much every little bit is helpful we we uh we like it all so um thank you uh, we like to thank that nick walker mike myers um andreas milberg again uh dan Lauten. Phantom Jest, Steve Miller, Autistic Gamer 89, Kermin Worma, Christopher Shenstrom, Bobby Arson of One Up Funk, Wicked Sephiroth, OK Impala, Kung Fu Carlito of the Heroes 3 podcast, uh, Michael Bridgewater from the Forever Sound Version podcast, Brian Pitt, Chris Murray, <laughs> Cameron Childs, Ed Wilson of the VG Embassy, um, and um alexander proudfoot and the dude das duderino das dude or is this the dude the dude the. that's the dude which one's this one that's davy cakes davy cakes the dude the last Recon, bedroff jupiter jazz it's like you're having some tongue tying with the I nicknames am. too the nicknames are all mixed up i'm, I'm bad at them now uh solace sanctuary mix six master good to see you in the chat uh, Damian Beckles, Joe Vasallo, Chris Steenerson, Alex the Messenger Messenger, and then David Smith. Thank you all very much for your continued support of the show. It's it's great seeing your name show up every week. Thanks for being wonderful people. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for hanging in there with us. We're going to keep going on strong. Thanks for that nice mocha latte tip. <laughs> very delicious. Very delicious. 
All right, so um, if we got anything else to talk about, I think it's time to say goodnight to everybody. Thanks for listening to Rhythm and Pixels. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Pernell. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. And remember, life is rough and can be rough anyway. So typically to kind of lay off, get the edge off a bit, it's good to find something that you take a passion in and you get enjoyment out of. If you haven't found it yet, keep looking, explore and experiment until you come across that thing that may click. But once you find it, hold on to it, ride it, run strong with it. Because quite frankly, I mean, it's honestly, that typically is the sort of thing that can kind of keep you moving when other things are kind of, just kind of shaking it down a bit. It's just mm-hmm. worth pursuing fruitful interest and in activity. So find something, hold on to it and maintain it. It's worth it in the long run. Oh, I like the all beaters in. All beaters in. Bump to the base of the base base base. Bump to the boot to the boot to the boot. Bump to the base of the base base base.